Hi, everyone, and welcome back to yet another cracking edition of the Matt Brown Show. This is the Secrets of Fail series where we are talking to CEOs and founders all about their epic business blunders. And with with us on the line is another Brown, interestingly. I mean, this is going to be probably the show for the ages. <laughs> uh, but Cleveland Brown is the man uh, in studio, and uh, he is the CEO of an amazing company called PayScout, payscout.com. Cleveland, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks for having me. Brown and Brown. Oh, dude, that never happens. Come on. Let's make the most of this. <laughs> All right, cool. So why don't you hit us up with the elevator pitch, uh, Cleveland? What are you up to there at PayScout? Sure. PayScout is a payment processing technology company. Uh, we offer a comprehensive payment solution really to enterprise, medium, uh, and small businesses. Our, our technology enables us to provide customized gateway and integration services for merchants and integrated software vendors, really looking for an efficient way to accept payments. So if you think about Square and kind of point of sale, mobile uh, ways of accepting, we offer that uh, to the market. If you think about Stripe, easy to integrate with for developers and software vendors, uh, that's PayScout. In fact, we take pride in being the easiest technology to integrate with um, in our industry. Our differentiation, from both of both of those is that we make payments really a profit center for businesses. And we do this by harnessing payment data, utilizing tools such as AI or artificial intelligence to accomplish what we call three C's. There's kind of three things that we we really target. One is how do we help them increase conversions? How do we how do we help them reduce costs? How do we improve compliance and security? Obviously, for anyone looking to uh, accept payments. And that's really driven by how our, our customers succeed in really leveraging customer demographics and the payment methods that drive those businesses and drive those demographics. So we're able to we're able to determine what demographics uh, uh, are are targeted based on the alternative payment methods that are available. Okay. So a lot of people don't, they don't know that there are over 200 alternative payment methods worldwide in terms of accepting uh, payments for a business. And to give you an example, a lot of people don't think about it, but if you think about the different demographics, Gen Z, they're now using BNPL, which is buy now, pay later. They use digital wallets, peer-to-peer platforms. Gen X, they're using credit cards, debit cards, big loyalty uh, card uh, consumers. Baby boomers, their traditional credit cards, uh, ACH, which are uh, uh, electronic forms of checks. And if you look at different verticals, such as medical, to give you an example, they use HSA cards to accept payments for different types of services. So the, the, what people think about traditionally uh, of how to accept payments, we actually look at all of the different payment methods that are available, look at how they apply, highlight the correct ones to drive conversions and ultimately reduce costs for businesses. And ultimately, when we're able to do that, then we're also able to enhance compliance. Based on how those, those customers come into the ecosystem, we're basically the security backbone in the industry. We assist companies as large as John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins University, Johns Hopkins Medical Centers, Kaiser Permanente, Verizon, you name it, um, uh, we're managing those ecosystems uh, behind the scenes. So elevator, big payments, think pay scout. Beautiful. 
Cool. Uh, Cleveland, so let's get on with the meat and the potatoes, dude. So uh, what is your story of fail uh, for our audience around the world today? Wow. That's a, this, is a, this, is a, this is one of my favorite ones. I actually lecture about uh, failure as well uh, at different universities. And uh, it's uh, a great question. And I, let, me, let me preface my story just really quick with an accomplishment at PayScout. And this is something that we set out to do. And we really wanted to build a cultural framework that built uh, a great workplace, really to recruit, retain, and grow a talent. And building that cultural framework, we ended up ranking number 17 in the U.S. for workplace culture, uh, ranked number one in financial services, and ranked number one in payments. And this this was all this did come out of uh, of failure fundamentally. And the story actually does it goes back to 2008. So as we were building and thinking, as I was building and thinking about payments and the ecosystem. Uh, I had another company that I sold, a software company, and payments happened to be part of that. And I wanted to expand payments globally, like really look at this global ecosystem of payments. I wanted to take on larger customers that were in travel and tourism. And uh, what I had identified as a gap was it was very difficult for companies in this particular arena to be able to accept payments from all the disparate countries, right? They might have people from China on their ship or from Brazil or in the Caribbean, US, Europe, et cetera. So it was something that uh, uh, something that I wanted to go out and solve. And um, I started in the Caribbean. So I had uh, contacts there. I was able to sit down with ministers of finance, um, economic directors, bank managing directors, and really talk about their current, the, the current system they had in place and how could we enhance that to be able to, to uh, resolve this for them. And, you know, I went out there and um, sat down with, you know, the different parties and I was buttoned up. At least I thought I was buttoned up. I had my presentations ready. I knew the technology. I knew the risk systems. Had all of the parties uh, that were needed to to execute what they needed. Had it all in place. Did my presentations uh, to all the different parties and was ready to go to work. Let's go. Let's let's implement this. Here's the plan. We're going to put this plan in place. So as I was after we agreed that yes, we're going to go in this direction. I really started to try to implement the plan and you implement it from top down, right? So you go layer by layer, here are the steps, here's what we need to do. And I would outline these steps and nobody would do anything. No one would do the work or take the steps to uh, accomplish this goal that we had set out uh, uh, set out to uh, to accomplish. And I, it was for about six months. I was just banging my head over the wall. Just, okay, let me sit down with you again and explain the steps. Maybe we're not understanding. Let me sit down and explain the steps again. On Maybe we're not understanding. And I went through this for, like I said, for six months. And, and finally, uh, I reached out to uh, another mentor that 
had worked in the island. So this was in, in just to preface where this happened, this happened in the Caribbean, uh, on a Caribbean island, uh, it was called Antigua. And he said, listen, I'm having this problem here. I've spent all this money, time, resources. I basically moved to this new location away from my family to accomplish this. And it's just going nowhere. And he said, Cleveland, let me tell you something. He said, have you tried taking them to lunch? Have you talked about their families? Have you taken them to dinner? Have you gone to the festivals? Have you done this? There were a host of things that he had asked, had I done? And I said, no, I haven't really done anything. I'm, I'm here to get this, accomplish this. And really and what I was doing is I was bringing the American workplace culture into this Caribbean workplace culture. And I was thinking that this American work, workplace culture uh, was the right way or right mechanism to accomplish things. And I found out that it wasn't. Hmm. And it's a great story, dude. Yeah, it's a great story. It's a great story. It's actually an important one to double click on. So what did that, what did you learn from that experience? It's quite an interesting one, isn't it? In the sense of like, well, I mean, I'm from Africa, dude. <laughs> like, it's amazing when, uh, you know, I, I meet these platform providers, technology providers, and they're like, no, we're going to take our US model and shove it into South Africa. I'm like, no, dude, it doesn't work that way. You know, yeah. um, and then they wonder why they can't scale in that region. That's it. That's correct. And, and that's, you know, really, that's what I learned. What I, what I learned is that every culture is different. Every environment is different. So I learned really to go into different environments, not just then because I expanded since then, but really embrace the culture, really understand and define it, um, seek mentors that could describe it in terms of how do we accomplish uh, uh, business here, what are those norms, and use that as the framework, then take the information that we want to present and accomplish and put it into that framework. And and really, that's what I learned. And I've been able to rapidly move in different cultural environments from a business uh, perspective. Mm. Yeah, I think people often type, what's that thing? It's like culture eats strategy for breakfast. There's that, that whole thing. Um, and, uh, and oftentimes I don't think we think, I mean, you obviously know a lot about culture, you're doing a lot th- uh, right there in terms of being number one in financial services or whatever in the culture space. But certainly when it comes to like expansion and scale, then suddenly culture becomes a whole different thing. Well, how do you scale culture in a distributed workforce? You know, how do you sca- scale into cultural environments or countries that you just don't know nothing about? Um, and it's a, it's a very important story to, to share. So thanks for that. So let's go back in time. What would you do differently if you could get into the Matt Brown show time machine, Cleveland, and, and you know, be, when you were like, cool, here's the process. I want to get it done. And you're not getting that traction. Now knowing what you now know, what would you do differently and why? So what I would do differently, uh, number one, is I would have built what I have today, which is called a universal language. And what I've done is I've taken everything that I've learned in terms of what makes up a cultural framework, what's important in that, what are the attributes that drive it? And I would have built that framework that allows, allows me today to walk into any environment 
and speak the same language and and bring people from different backgrounds, different uh, genders, different demographics, um, different regions, and be able to to start with a language and say, here's how I look at doing business with everyone. And here's the language that I use. And uh, does it make sense? Let's let's talk about this first. Before we even talk about what, what we're selling or the services or what we're providing, I'm going to go over definitions with you. I'm going to talk about integrity and trust and what that means for me and how everyone I, I uh, do business with. It means inspiring trust by acting ethically, treating people with respect, being transparent and honest. Like I would start with definitions of, of how we're going to work together, utilize, agree on that. Everyone speak the same language and then I'd go from there. Mm. So tell us, uh, Cleveland, what is your advice to other CEOs in the context of failure and business success? What have you learned about the importance of failure in, in achieving greatness? Yeah, I would say one is, as we talked about, building a cultural framework, I think is extremely critical. It doesn't matter the size that you are. You do need to have um, definitions behind what drives decision-making and, and uh, behavior. And my advice is to create a great decision-making environment. And that starts with understanding what's your definition of failure, right? We have a standard definition of failure, the omission of an expected required um, uh, or an expected or required action. Uh, if you look at the definition of omission, the act of leaving something out. So if we define, if that's your definition of failure, what I would say is, okay, what comes out of failure and what creates success is pivot. And, uh, you know, I've looked a little bit, you know, in terms of your background as well, in terms of your businesses and they're called failure, but you've been able to sell businesses as well from what you learn. And that, I think that comes from the definition of pivot. So if we're going to talk failure, we need to understand pivot and pivot is completely changing the way in which one does something. Mm. Right. So when we learn failure is just education at the end of the day, but pivoting is the most important action that comes out of it. And that's what I would, I would tell someone is to really make sure that they understand what failure means. And to me, failure means the inability to pivot. <laughs> That's so well said. I love that. Yeah. When's your book coming out? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. well, okay, fine. I'm going to tweet it then. Okay. We'll have to do with what we can today. Um, so Cleveland, when it comes to books and tools and resources and stuff, what do you recommend to other CEOs, uh, you know, to use on their personal journey? I mean, there's a, it really depends, I would say on like the industry they're in, in the path. My number one piece of advice is to seek a mentor. That's where I would start. Seek a mentor in the particular, uh, vertical, uh, or business sector that you're in. And don't be afraid. This is what I would say is don't be afraid to go as reach as high as possible. And there's nothing wrong with that. Reach for Tim Cook at Apple as a mentor. Who knows at the end of the day? Um, it, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. That's my, my advice is find a mentor. And then through those mentors, 
you'll you'll get the tools that you need. If you don't let's say you don't reach Tim Cook, but you reach uh, uh, someone from LinkedIn or whatever it may be, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, the whole point is that's my biggest piece of advice. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I got a, it's a funny story just on that. Uh, so I got a mail from the head of global communications from Microsoft yesterday going, Satya Nadella appreciates the invitation, but, uh, we know we, we're, after, we're not, we're not going to be able to do it because he's too busy or whatever. But I was like, I got a response from the head of global comms for one of the biggest companies in the world. Imagine having Satya Nadello on Secrets Fail. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't ask, you don't get. It's like if you if you go like my wife's always at me because if I go to like the uh, you know the car park outside of a shopping center or whatever, I will always look for an open uh, parking spot right outside the front door. And she's like, oh, it's too busy. No one's ever going to, like, that's, you're never going to find us. And I'm like, just, you know, and then you don't find it all the time. But if you go and look, there's someone else who's also not looking for it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah. so I'm always like, go and find that parking spot, dude. <laughs> that's right. Reach for it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Awesome stuff, bud. Well, look, uh, Cleveland, thanks so much for being on the show, dude, and uh, sharing your perspective on the, on the importance of failure in business. Uh, you're doing amazing things over there, man. And uh, yeah, really exciting or excited rather to see where you're going to be going in the future as a team and as a business. So thanks for being here. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Brown and Brown. I enjoyed it. Making it rain out there. there, you go. there you go. Awesome. All righty. Thanks everyone. We'll see you again soon. Ciao.